I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. In case you've somehow missed it, tomorrow is the big showdown. The annual general meeting of the National Trust. Now, I know what you're thinking. The National Trust? How does such a quintessentially genteel organisation become a hotbed of rage? Well... It's been brewing for a while. You can't turn the history back. After all, are we going to blame the Romans for invading us? I'm very grateful to the Romans. They gave us straight roads and central heating. So you had this feeling, very, very difficult feeling for a great heritage organisation that the people in charge of it actually don't like their properties. Um, And that's very demoralising. One thing I have learned is you can't please all of the people all of the time. But we do our best our best to make sure that we are staying true to our charitable purpose and charting a course that goes down the middle. The battle lines have already been drawn and the charity's annual general meeting is where the two sides will come face to face. In one corner, we have the National Trust, the guardians of the UK's historical houses, heritage and countryside. On the other, you have Restore Trust, a protest group who accused the National Trust of becoming too woke. So how did we get here? How did the largest conservation group in Europe and Britain's biggest charity find itself in the middle of a very modern battle? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the culture war comes to the National Trust. My name is Ben Ellery and I am a news reporter at The Times. And I tend to write mostly for the Saturday newspaper, so... That means I get to spend a little bit longer on stories. So I've written quite a bit over the last couple of years about what's been going on at the National Trust. Now tell me about that. 
what, what is the enduring appeal of the National Trust? You know, whenever you get a story about the National Trust, you know people will be dropping their toast to read it. Why is that? Just remind us why we all care about the National Trust. I think the National Trust is such an important institution. It's a charity, the biggest charity in the, in the UK and the largest conservation charity in Europe. It's got over 5 million members, which makes it bigger than the population of Denmark. <laughs> and it is concerned with conserving our historic places and green spaces. And it was started in 1895 by three people who wanted to preserve a, a clergy house and they bought it for £10 and saved it from being demolished. After a year of negotiations, the house was finally purchased on the 16th of April, 1896. The house needed a great deal of repairs. As a newly formed charity, that meant they needed to fundraise. And this became the first fundraising campaign of the National Trust. This small property had profound influence on where the Trust is today. Since then, it's grown into what we have today with all sorts of weird and wonderful properties that it looks after. So Sir Isaac Newton's apple tree at Woolsthorpe Manor in Lincolnshire. Even the apple tree. Even the apple tree. (laughs) It's believed to be the place in 1665 where, as he said, the notion of gravitation came to mind after he watched an apple fall. And there's... I mean, that does deserve to be preserved. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's a big moment. And also Chartwell, which was the much-loved family home of Sir Winston Churchill. And even the two childhood homes of John Lennon and Sir Paul McCartney. The houses are where some of the earliest Beatles hits were first composed and rehearsed. Most famously, Please Please Me. Authentically furnished, the houses have been returned to how they would have appeared during John and Paul's formative years in the late 1950s. So at first it was concerned with looking after properties and then in 1930 it acquired its first piece of land in the Lake District. It protects coastline, woodland. It's just this huge juggernaut. It has an annual income of uh, £680 million. Wow. Most of that comes from its members who pay an annual subscription. It's got 50,000 volunteers. And I think most people would agree it's one of the things that we can be most proud of. I mean, that is astonishing. You know, the figures are amazing. And then the idea of five million members, those are the sort of figures that political parties could only ever dream of. It's probably the biggest organisation in the country quintessentially English and so much of it is about the architecture of this country so I suppose to understand it and to understand this story we should probably really go back to one of the architectural masterpieces that it's been involved with so just tell me a bit about Clandon Park House where where is it and what sort of a property is this? So Clandon Park House is um, it's near Guildford in Surrey and it is considered by many to be a, an architectural masterpiece when it was built for the Onslow family in the 1730s. And it was a Palladian mansion built by um, Giacomo Leone. What was particularly stunning about it was that it had this grand ground floor rooms which were designed to showcase the family's wealth and status, and in particular, a marble hall which was described as one of the country's most dramatic 
entrance halls wow. and um, it's considered Leone's sort of masterpiece. And on the ceiling was this elaborate stucco ceiling which was designed by this travelling master craftsman from Italy with sort of hand-moulded figures and embellishments from lime plaster. I mean, this sounds stunning. What happened to this building? So in 2015, a fire broke out, devastating fire. It started from the ground floor and raged all night until the following noon. And it basically gutted everything apart from one room. So it was a bit of a surprise that when they came in afterwards and just saw everything was destroyed. There goes the stucco ceiling. Uh, yeah. There goes the beautiful hall. This was the worst fire in the history of the National Trust. The entire building is covered in tarpaulin and 32 miles or around 50 kilometers of scaffolding. That's because virtually the whole building has been blackened by the fire that took place. I mean, this for an exceptional grade one property, a part of the National heritage is obviously a huge tragedy. I think everyone would would agree with that. How did this incident become the subject of controversy? Right. So in the months afterwards, the charity said it was going to restore the house. They were at least going to restore the ground rooms. There was discussion about what they could do with the ceiling and perhaps they could use artisans to reproduce what had once been there. And, And there was a feeling that that would be helpful in keeping these skills alive, which are, you know, incredible skills which artisans have known for hundreds of years and mm. perhaps uh, going out of fashion a bit. But this was seen as something which would keep that tradition alive. But suddenly the National Trust U turned on that and said that rather than doing that, they were going to keep it as a shell and add a glass ceiling to the structure And they said that it would allow visitors to see the house from a different point of view. So this is keeping the house completely gutted, damaged by fire, but just protected by a glass ceiling. And people would walk around the damaged shell. Yes, yeah, exactly. They said that it would have almost been like a a kind of copy if they rebuilt it. And that's not what they wanted to do. It was felt that it could be quite a sort of an interesting way of attracting people to come and see this and see exactly what the fire had done to this stunning house. That presumably didn't go down very well with everyone, though. No. So that upset a group of National Trust members who call themselves a Restore Trust. And they said that it was a decision which was the latest example of the organisation failing in its values to preserve the nation's greatest buildings. So Restore Trust has raised this as a motion at the annual general meeting, which is taking place tomorrow. Now that debate, I've sort of heard people talk about this in the world of heritage. It's sort of, you know, you don't want to rebuild something so it looks like the Disney version of the house that used to be there, which just looks a bit fake. And others who are like, well, what's the point of leaving something as a shell? Is money a factor here? I mean, was the house insured? Yeah, so the house was insured to the tune of £63 million. Wow. And I don't believe, or it's not been published, how much a full restoration would have cost, but it's believed to to be in the tens of millions of pounds. And what 
Restore Trust argue is that if additional money is needed, then a fundraiser could be held. But also on top of that, obviously, the charity has these huge reserves. So I believe like the latest charity accounts show that it has something like £366 million in in reserves, Mm. which Restore Trust says, you know, this is exactly the kind of thing that they should be using that money for. This is what it is. And, And they would point to a lot of other initiatives which National Trust have kind of overseen, which it would argue are not an effective use of money. It's really interesting, this whole debate. And clearly one side is being fought by Restore Trust. The main criticism coming from Restore Trust is that the National Trust is too focused on politics and you know, it accuses them of wokeism. What are some of the examples that Restore Trust points to when they're making these criticisms? So, yeah, I mean, I think they would probably try and steer away from the word woke. However, it certainly is a a word that its supporters and its members have used frequently. But I think what they kind of mean by that is a sort of general degradation of standards. And they would point to things like, so, for example, at Upton House in Banbury in Oxfordshire, they've got a collection of these very fine porcelain bowls and cups and saucers. And the trust has put up signs which refer to some of the imagery on the porcelain, which is of sailors unloading cargo from a ship. And the text refers to how the shipping trade was underpinned by slavery. What Restore Trust says is that the signs make no reference to who produced the items or who they were for or their quality. So they're saying that you know, this kind of academic information is being withheld in favour of these more kind of idealised messages. So do they just want better signs that talk about both, that also talk about, you know, the type of porcelain as well as the links to slavery, or, or do they want the slavery part erased? I think in in their ideal world, the slavery part would be erased. But they also talk about, you know, for example, we mentioned Winston Churchill's family home. And that was one of the properties which was connected to slavery or, or racism. And that's a very controversial thing to say. People have talked about Churchill's involvement in colonialism and what he did abroad. And the Restore Trust members would say, you know, that is completely unfair to bring that into the argument, which obviously is up for debate. There's also these things like uh, they've introduced disco balls. They've put uh, disco balls up at Sudbury Hall, which... Disco uh, balls? Yeah, so I think... (laughs) How how does that work? So I think it's just a way that the charity would argue of making the properties more appealing to a new generation. They want to attract families and it's a way to give them a little bit more entertainment, I suppose. Just tell us a bit about this group. Who are Restore Trust and where do they come from? How does it all start? So they were formed on the back of a report by the National Trust in 2021, which looked at its properties' links to colonialism and to slavery. And the um, report basically spoke about 93 of its properties, which it could connect to racism or colonialism. This is sort of properties built on money from slavery. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And Restore Trust were kind of formed against that background. At the time, there was quite a febrile atmosphere in the country. It's been a rainy day here in London, but still thousands of people have been marching to show solidarity with the demonstrations in the United States. Many are also calling for an end to racism in this country. 
there were Black Lives Matter protests in England. And actually, the National Trust director, Hillary McGrady, has since said that it was her biggest mistake to allow the report to be conflated with what was going on at the time with oh. Black Lives Matter. The police in the UK have killed people and are held unaccountable for. Look at the T-shirt. These are the names of people they've killed. How dare the chief of police across the country issue a statement saying they're in solidarity with George Floyd. They are disgraceful. They have never been accountable in this country. Was the report going to be done regardless or did it come out of Black Lives Matter? So, yeah, it was. It was something that they were looking into and, and they were going to do. It just sort of so happened that the, the two things seemed to, to kind of come along at the same time. And I suppose it looks almost political. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was a, a fierce battle. As soon as this group Restore Trust came up, money poured into it. So I think it raised something like £50,000, you know, in its first year from, wow. from members. And it put forward a, a motion at the first annual general meeting that Tim Parker should stand down. This was the chairman of the National Trust. Exactly. So they put forward this motion and within 24 hours of them announcing that they were going to put this motion forward, Tim Parker actually announced that he was going to step down. It's a moment of huge drama in um, the charity's history. And since then, it's only kind of continued to rumble on. They've now raised more than £100,000 and they claim to have more than 10,000 members. So they've already succeeded in ousting the chairman of the National Trust. And Ben, I suppose we should just say this isn't just a polite row. It's not just teacups at dawn anymore. I mean... Hilary McGrady, the head of the National Trust, has said that she's actually received anonymous death threats in the wake of that report being published. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the the fronts of what we now kind of refer to as culture wars. So this is the moment that the culture wars arrive at the National Trust. Yes, absolutely. And there's, you know, serious money involved. There's people who really want to um, try and affect some change at the organisation and are willing to put their money where, where their mouth is. And one of the ways that they feel that they can do that is through the annual general meeting where there is an election to be elected onto the charity's board. And they believe that if they can put their candidates in those hot seats, they'll be able to really drive an agenda at the charity. Coming up, why is Restore Trust in an uproar over the annual general meeting before it's even started? And what can we expect from tomorrow's big battle? That's in just a moment. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. So Ben, the National Trust's annual general meeting, we think it's going to be a big gladiatorial battle, and Restore Trust, who are on one side, set themselves up against the National Trust, already seem to be upset. Well, why is that? Yes, so one of the big bones of contention is this mechanism that's been introduced last year, which is called the quick vote system. So the National Trust recommends a number of candidates. I think this year it's five. And if you are a member and you want to go and vote for who you believe should be on the board, there is now one button which you can click and it will automatically choose the five candidates that the National Trust recommends and lodge your vote for those candidates. Now, Restored Trust are scratching their heads at this and saying, isn't it a bit of a coincidence that they've only introduced this system last year when Restored Trust has just been set up. It does seem quite a fortuitous time for the National Trust to to have introduced this. Do they think the system will count against them? Yeah, they do, massively. They say that, you know, it's like something you might see in in a a country with a a dictatorship or something. But, you know, last year, I think uh, something like a third of members did use this system. So it obviously is popular with members, but you can see why Restore Trust would be unhappy about it. And, of course, Restore Trust has got its own selection of candidates that it is recommending and who it believes will put forward ideals that fit with with their beliefs. Have the National Trust explained why they've changed the system? So when I went to them for comment, they basically said that they had consulted an outside agency and the system is sort of standard within some organisations and and it hasn't done anything wrong. And when I looked into it, I did find that some unions do use this system. Hmm. I suppose they probably will argue that it's a way to encourage people to vote because, you know, if you're wading through something like 37 different candidates and they've all got their own statement about, you know, what they think is important, they would say people don't have the time to do that and this is just a way for people to still have a voice, have a vote, get involved. So now, if you're a member, you'll receive a set of options which are the endorsed candidates 
from the National Trust, not the full 37 people who put themselves forward. Presumably, quite a few of those 37 people were candidates from Restore Trust. Yes. So Restore Trust have got a slate of five candidates, one of whom is Lord Sumption, who is obviously the former Supreme Court Justice. And they have chosen people who they believe will chime with their views. Those candidates are not allowed. It's against the rules for them to canvass and speak about, you know, what they're going to do. So they can just do one statement, which is on the website. People can read it and then vote on who they want. But what Restore Trust say is that someone like Lord Sumption, for example, who, as well as being this preeminent judge, is actually one of the, if not the leading historians on um, the Hundred Years' War. And he's exactly the kind of person which National Trust should be choosing as one of its recommended candidates. And in fact, he was not even interviewed by the National Trust for potentially to be selected for them. Well, tell us a bit more about him, because he has been quite vocal in his criticism of the National Trust, which which might explain why they didn't interview him. Yeah, well, no doubt he holds critical views, although I don't know if he's expressed them before they picked their candidates, but I know that since they have picked them, he has been very um, forthright. And in an interview with The Telegraph, he said, I am, of course, aware of current disputes about the Trust's mission, which I regard as unfortunate, for they undermine its influence and its power for good, and that he wants to help heal current divisions about the Trust's core mission. Uh, Another Restore Trust candidate, Violet Manners, has been more explicit, saying the trust has become distracted by a political agenda that detracts from its mission. While heritage needs to remain relevant and interesting for visitors, the trust must not view its history through the political lens of today when conserving the past. How has the National Trust responded to Restore Trust and to their allegations about the the voting system and the AGM. I mean, is there any credence to Restore Trust's argument that they're being sidelined here? So they have claimed that they've not done anything wrong. Sources I've spoken to at the charity are very concerned about Restore Trust. And I think their concern is that they are going to try and infiltrate them using, you know, this electoral system and in a similar way to how junior doctors at the British Medical Association very cleverly used the internet to kind of um, corral the more kind of radical elements of the organisation and have actually kind of taken it over and driven the debate on um, doctors' pay. And sources at the charity have told me that they are precisely worried about that kind of entryism happening. But they believe that what they're doing is right. And publicly, they're saying that this is just a a small minority, a very loud minority, who have got the ear of a few media organisations or politicians. You know, for example, Jacob Rees-Mogg, former cabinet minister, he's spoken out in support of Restore Trust. We should be so proud of our great heroes in this nation, like Winston Churchill. And an organisation like the National Trust should be honoured that it has Chartful amongst its portfolio of properties. And it should remember that its properties were given to it by people who expected them to be custodians of our history, to be proud of our history, and to think well of our great nation, not to be shamefacedly, quietly hiding away, pretending that they are abashed about the greatness that this country has enjoyed over so many centuries. And it is sad. So, 
you know, they might be a, a small minority, but, you know, there's, there's serious money involved and they're certainly operating quite slickly in pursuit of their aims. And we should say, although they're not the endorsed candidates, the Restore Trust candidates have got a lot of publicity. Uh, their names are certainly being talked about long before the AGM. Tomorrow is the big day. It does feel like it's shaping up to be the stately home edition of the Rumble in the Jungle. But just give us a sense of what's actually on the agenda. What is actually going to be debated at this AGM? So there are two motions that Restore Trust have, have put up, one of which is this quick vote system, which they just want to, you know, abandon and, you know, there'll be a vote on that. And then the, the other is Clandon Park and, and whether or not they should be doing more to restore more of it. And, and that's going to be a hotly debated topic. So it's going to be a hugely fiery meeting. And it will, you know, it's, it's part of this ongoing battle for the soul of the organisation. And how existential is this crisis for them? You know, these different versions of history that seem to be sort of competing against each other. And then just the difficulty for an organisation like this, which is rooted in history. It's tasked with preserving our heritage, but still trying to be modern and relevant. What does this huge controversy tell us about the soul of the National Trust and and really about us as a country? Yeah, I think it does tell us something about the different generations and the issues such as, you know, our past and and how much we should be looking back at our past. It, It does speak to these huge societal issues which divide even families, I'm sure. So, yeah, I think as far as this is concerned, they need to have it out, basically. And from those ruins, you know, hopefully they can find enough in common where they can forge ahead. Bring back the cream teas and walks through the gardens. Bit of capability brown for everyone. (laughs) I'd vote for that. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, news reporter at The Times, Ben Ellery. If you're a subscriber, you can read Ben's latest investigation on Saturday into online pharmacies giving people sick notes for £40. You can find that at thetimes.co.uk. This episode was produced by Taryn Siegel. The executive producer was Kate Ford and sound design was by Hannah Farrell. If you can, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely weekend. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times 
and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history.